Golden State Warriors basketball. This is the Mark Jackson Show. I don't go with what the norm is. My goal from day one is to not be an average coach. Pull up three. Good. Now here's Mr. T on the Sports Weekly. Right hand, left check, crossover to the right, pass to David Lee. Down Broadway, kicked it out to the wing. There's Thompson for three. Yes! With 2.3 to go in the corner. 19-point quarter for Clay Thompson. Aaron Clay Thompson, jumper there. Second half caught fire as the Golden State Warriors start their road trip off with a win in Detroit City. It's time to talk to Mark Jackson, the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. He's all he is presented to you by Stanford Hospital and Clinics, the official team physicians of the Golden State Warriors. To learn more, visit stanfordhospital.org. Jack, what's going on, man? Man, everything's well. Thanks for having me again. Have you uh, grabbed a ball, headed back to Bishop Laughlin High School, got into the gym, and went, <laughs> memories? No, I have not. I guess I'm not your normal guy. So I've just uh, the great thing is I've been able to spend a day with my oldest son, who's nice. uh, playing basketball at Manhattan College. So spend time with him, and he's actually with me now. So having a great time with. Oh, that. very cool. Yeah, I thought maybe you would have grabbed uh, Rudy Giuliani, another alum, and went down there and played a little one-on-one. <laughs> he's done your homework. I'm impressed. <laughs> he's reading Wikipedia. That ain't homework. <laughs> it is homework. Stop it for crying out loud. Man's trying to give me some props, and you're taking him away? I don't get many. Unbelievable. Hey, let's talk about the game last night. Uh, I Obviously, you'd like to go ahead and stretch that thing out at the end, but after it's over, I mean, you get everything you want. You get a win, you get some guys playing well, and they had to buckle down there on the road in a close game, a game that maybe a couple years ago they spit up, and they're able to hold on. I'll tell you what, it's a lot of fun, and it, it, it shows you how far this team has come that people are saying that we didn't, you know, blow them out. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, this was a team coming off of five straight home victories, a team playing extremely well. Uh, we we developed a cushion early quarter and stretched it out playing our brand of basketball. And just like anywhere in this league, teams are going to make runs. They did. What I like most is that we had the ability to, to close out the ball game, making plays on both both sides of the ball. Hey, Jack, talk a little bit about that because I talk about this occasionally, the psychology of sports in that you could be up three points with a minute 45 to go and hit a couple threes and go up. Or let's say you hit one three. You go up six with a minute 15 to go. You're feeling pretty good about yourself as opposed to being up 18 and a team goes on a 12 nothing run and now you're up six with a minute 15 left to go. You're still up six with a minute 15 left to go but you're in a different mindset because of what's just happened. How do you convince your team? How did you try to convince maybe your team when you were a point guard that, look, these things happen. Teams go on runs. This is the NBA. You still got to be not happy, but, look, we're up six. Let's go ahead and buckle down and not worry about what just happened the last 90 seconds. Well, I think that's where you know great leadership comes in, um, and not just as a player uh, listening to coaches that I played for, but also – um, as a coach, you know, and, and, and as a player within the locker room or within the huddle, that's where you've got to make sure that everybody's on the same page, that nobody is sitting there with their head down thinking about what just took place or what just transpired the last minute and a half. At the end of the day, 
you got to look at it like, hey, we're in a great situation. If you would have told us uh, coming in that we'd be up six with a minute to go, we would take it, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't we wouldn't ask any questions how we got there or what took place. So you can't get caught up in that and, and realize that we win a ball game, and uh, it's looking awfully good at that particular time. When you're on a road trip like this, um, extended, and you've got game tomorrow night against a pretty good Brooklyn team and a, a game the next night against Washington, which has been beneath struggling, do you – try to take the two games sort of as such complete separate entities that you try to prevent your players from thinking about the Saturday game? Or do you have to sort of broaden your view and just say, we've got to do this tonight so we can do this tomorrow? Well, the way we look at it, and I'm actually getting out of a cab in New York City, so I believe I heard your question right. I apologize. (laughs) Um, I'm sure you'll be disappointed if you did. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The way we look at it is you got to take one game at a time. We're not uh, at that stage right now where we can circle out this seven-game trip and say this is what we expect. Uh, we're in a situation right now where we got to take care of business one game at a time and continue to get better, continue to execute, and uh, circle the Ws as they come, which, which uh, we're very pleased with last night. How See, easy is that to do, though? I mean, how how easy to get you know players to focus on each individual block and not look ahead. Well, it comes from your leadership within your locker room, and we're fortunate to, fortunate enough to have guys that that um, experience you know uh, losses last year and experience not having the success that we expected, um, and guys that's been around this league, so they understand. Uh, what the correct mindset is supposed to be when you go, you know, on, on, on long road trips. And we're fortunate to add some veterans and Carl Landry and Jared Jack. We're fortunate to have a healthy, um, Steph Curry and also in David Lee. So guys that's been around. And, uh, when you look at our young guys, they're not real young guys. They're guys that are very experienced and great competitors. It's like when we played for the Clippers, Ray, we had veterans on our team that would say, look, guys, April 22nd is only 142 days away. <laughs> so keep our heads down and grind and try to get out of the season healthy. What, 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 were any of them either in this room or on the phone? <laughs> no. No, none of, none of them was. No, neither one of us took part in that. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about what Steph Curry's been able to do. Uh, I think it's four straight game, 20 points, 10 Assist. I don't think anybody even has four in the league, let alone four in a row. What are you seeing from him on the court that's allowing him to not only get his own stuff, but be a playmaker for others? Well, he's healthy. And yeah. you see, um, you know, he's not worried about, you know, coming down wrong on ankle or worried about playing at, you know, 60 or 70%. Right now, he's healthy. He has a live body. And he's, you know, he's closing out ball games as the best player on the floor, making plays via scoring and also facilitating. And it makes us a totally different basketball team when he's playing this way. It's great to see, and it's the Steph Curry that I envision. Why is this team as good defensively as they are right now? Well, we work on it, you know, mm-hmm. and we did it from day one. We did it uh, as soon as the draft was over. We did it as soon as the summer league started. We did it the day after Labor Day when everybody but one guy showed up, uh, and we drilled it every single day. 
you can't stumble into being a very good defensive team. You got to be committed to it, take pride in it, and hold each other accountable. I didn't get a chance to ask you this question. I think it happened Friday when you guys played, or maybe it was last Thursday, Jack, when you guys played the uh, the Nuggets. What exactly did Ronnie Garrison say to you at the end of that game when he gave Iguodala three free throws? Because <laughs> I, I mean, I literally I thought that was one of the worst calls I'd ever seen. He wasn't in his shooting motion. You see it all the time where referees don't buy that, and he bought it at the worst possible time. Did he? I know he couldn't change it when he went over and looked at the monitor. He was just looking whether Iguodala was behind the line and it was supposed to be three free throws. It was. I'm assuming he looked at the replay and said, holy crap, I can't believe I did that. But did did he say anything to you? Did you ask him uh, about that call, or did he just not want to talk about it? Well, you know, after watching the video, uh, I knew it was it was a – a foul uh, on the floor. Yeah. And, you know, Ronnie, it's not like those guys came back and said they missed it. And I would have been totally fine with that. I'm not yeah. a guy that's going to be, you know, yelling and screaming at the refs because at the end of the day, players are going to make mistakes during 48-minute games. I'm going to make a mistake during the 48-minute games, and the referees are going to make a mistake. Uh, all you look for in that situation is for a referee or the referee to come over and say, we missed it. And yeah. it's fine. You move on. Mm-hmm. Um I think afterwards, you know, when they look at the film late on that night, because they work extremely hard and they're up making corrections and getting corrected, uh, you realize you make a mistake and you move on. But in that situation, we clearly was taking a foul on the ground. Fortunately, we came out of there with yeah. a win. No, it's funny you said that because I remember Dick Bavetta was one of those guys that if he missed a call, he would tell you, you know what, Tom, I think I missed that one. You know, I, I, I blew that one. And you'd say, okay, you know, no problem. But – when you get the guys that don't acknowledge missing a call or tell you to go away or leave me alone or shut up or whatever they used to tell me when I was on the on the court, that's where you have a problem. Because if they say, look, Tom, I might have blown that one. You may have had your feet set on that charge or I didn't see that. You're, you're okay with that. I mean, if you do it enough, then you're like, you know, go coach over in Uganda or something. Get out of the NBA because you're horrible. But if they just tell you, I missed it, you're okay with that. Yeah, you can live with it. And I think at the end of the day, I need to put that in my game because coming back to the huddle, Steph Curry will say, you know, hey, coach, you ran the wrong play. I need to say, get out of my face, shut up, and, and, and let's move on. <laughs> I think you should. Can, can we mic you? <laughs> uh, hey, do you wish, speaking of miking, do you wish the NBA would get rid of the, the interviews between the quarters when you're doing the TNT and ESPN games? You know, that was a serious conversation during the coaches' meeting with the league. And um, you have to understand, as a coach and as a league, what they're trying to do. They're trying to get the fans involved. They're trying to allow the fans and, and the viewing audience an inside look at exactly what takes place. And um, sometimes you got to sacrifice for the benefit of the game. So I'm a guy that was on the media side, and I understand the importance of it. Yeah. So. I don't have a problem with it, but I certainly understand coaches, um, um, you know, wanting wanting something else. Well, here's the problem, Jack, and you know this because you were on the TV side of it. Is that they they want to take the fans inside the game, get a little bit closer to the game, and let you know what's going on. But in doing so, they're not going to show you anything that has to do with scheme or what you're doing defensively or offensively because you don't want that out there and I get that as well but what it comes off as is NBA coaches look like they're coaching third graders because all they're showing is come on we got to hustle we got to hustle let's run up and down the court come on if we box out we can win the basketball game 
That's all they can show, and it looks ridiculous. You just copied my third quarter speech. <laughs> 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 it's good to know you've been watching, man. <laughs> Damn, I could coach uh, in this no, league. I, Holy smokes. Are you kidding me? But, but I, I will say this, and you know it as a former player. There's, there's really no secrets. If, if we're playing the San Antonio Spurs and we're trapping the pick and roll or yeah. we're, we're showing or we're, we're sending Tony Parker down, Coach Popovich is not surprised by it. So anything I say on the air yeah. will not be an advantage to him because we're well aware of the situation and how we're being played. <laughs> Talking to Mark Jackson. <laughs> Just what does it feel like to go back home? I mean, the first time you've been to Brooklyn, first year of the Brooklyn Nets, you grew up there, you were a star there at Bishop Laughlin. I mean, this is home for you. What does it mean for you to play this game tomorrow night? Well, not play, great. but coach. Uh, I'm a kid that was, you know, born in New York, in uh, Brooklyn, and mm-hmm. lived there for the first seven and a half years of my life and moved to Queens and then went back to high school in Brooklyn. And if you'd have told me that there'd be a professional basketball team, a professional team, period, in, in Brooklyn, I would have said, no way, not in my lifetime. I know what it means to the fans around this country. I know what it means to basketball. And more importantly, I know what it means to 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 that area and, and the people of that area. And it's a special, special time. Uh, and it, it's going to be a great night for me just, just embracing, seeing familiar faces and, and being around some people that have impacted my life for a long time. How many tickets are you on the hook for? I'm not your normal guy that gets caught up in that. I'm actually a different guy, so I don't even pay attention to tickets. I take care of my mom, uh, my, my, my mother-in-law, uh, people like that. So I don't, it's, it's just a couple, nothing extraordinary. Well, that's disappointing. If I called you and asked you for tickets, I mean, are we that close? Do you think you might leave a pair for me? I would give you Raymond Ritter's information and have you <laughs> That's so rude. Uh, Absolutely rude. Former teammates. Former teammates, and he treats me that way. Unbelievable. You know what's more, even more revolting? It's the same advice you would give me, and I don't think he could pick me out of a crowd. Well, he wouldn't give you Ritter's number. <laughs> no, it really started years ago when I was playing with the Pacers and we were playing the Knicks in the playoffs, and I had cousins that wanted to come to the game, but they were Knicks fans. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I was wondering if they were actually cousins. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, I haven't spoken to them, so if they ever call the air, let them know I said hello. Hey, Jack, before I let you know, uh, Commissioner Stern said he'd like to eliminate the Hacka-Howard, Hacka-Shack, uh, whatever you want to call it. You did it last year when Orlando came to town. In fact, 39 free throws Dwight Howard shot. And I remember very vividly uh, third quarter during one of those interviews we talked about, you said, look, I'm not here to entertain the fans or please anybody. I'm trying to win a basketball game, and I think this is the best way to go about it. Is there any way in your mind this could be legis- legislated? Could they do the whole game like they do the last two minutes, or do guys just need to learn how to shoot free throws? Well, I'm along the lines of guys got to become better free throw shooters. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, it's, if he's a liability, whoever that is on the floor, then you can't take away – uh, his, his, his biggest weakness by giving him an out. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, you look at last night, I tried it. Drummond yeah. knocks down two free throws at the end of the first half. Lawrence Frank attempts it, and uh, Andres Beatrins goes one for two. I, I'm forced to uh, either leave him in or take him out. I take him out of the game. They put together some sort of run because, you know, they just changed the, the momentum at that particular time. But I'm a guy that believes that you've got to 
force these guys to become better free throw shooters. And, and, and uh, you can't change the rules. I'm, I'm totally against that. Jack, always appreciate the time. Best of luck the rest of the trip. Congratulations on the win last night. We'll look forward to talking to you again next week and enjoy being back home. Thank you, guys. I think we're undefeated as far as me coming on the air after, after the games. We're, it's been victory, victory, victory. It has been very good. You're right about that. I, I, don't, I don't know why. Uh, maybe because of those great speeches that you give. Hustle, 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 rebound, rebound, rebound. <laughs> well, the Miami Go team the win. One, so we look forward to it. <laughs> Have a good trip, Jack. All right. Thanks again, guys. All right, man. Take it easy.